Hello, my name is Paul and welcome to another episode of Get Object. I'm back with a, another developer interview. Um, today we're going to be talking to David Cribb, who is better known as the developer Colistia. So the game game of his that he made most recently and that we'll mostly be talking about in this episode is A Hand With Many Fingers. Uh, we'll get to what that is in, in the... Um, in the conversation, but he's also made stuff like uh, a bewitching revolution that came from a communist planet, uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, pretty much always with a, a, a left leftist politics, I would say. Normally, uh, quite heavily focused uh, on capitalism and critique of capitalism. Um, so yeah, really some stuff I'm uh, interested in, and um, I, I like. Uh, I like some of um, David's games, so it was, it was cool to talk to him for this. Uh, as with the last episode I did, um, where I made the video about the camera from Umarangi Generation, I've also used parts of this to make a video about an object from this game, which is the uh, conspiracy board, or the cork board, if you prefer. As in, you know, a board where you like stick bits of newspaper on and then put bits of red red thread between them because that's what hand with many fingers is about so i've made a video about that so if you if you um listening to this before you've seen that then check out the the youtube channel um i guess yeah i'll put a link in the in the in the description of this for you yeah um i've already rec i've already recorded the interview for the next episode so i'll be working on that soon as well um yeah, the, I guess not, not much else to say. Uh, if you haven't been checking out the stuff I've been writing, then um, please check out getobject.net. I can't remember exactly when I... Hey, let, why don't I just look at the website and then... I mean, I should have prepared this before, shouldn't I? But I'm just going to do it on the fly right now. That's that's also fine. Um, I'm tired. I don't want to re-record this again. <laughs> so, yeah, since I did the last one, I've done another object oriented on the subject of maps. Um, maps in games are always very cool. So um, that was good to do. I've written something about the game Tales from Off Peak City. More broadly as a jumping off point for why I like video games with small... Um, video games set in relatively small spaces rather than big open worlds so that's there I've done another object oriented on cloves um, and I've written something on climate change and video game consoles and why we should have a final generation of video game consoles and why that would be good for all of us so yeah that's all at getobject.net if you wanted to, to check all that out but yeah that's enough of that um Reviews for the podcast would be cool, I guess. That's the only other thing I mentioned. But but other than that, I will leave you now with uh, my conversation with David. Hello and welcome to Get Object. Joining me now is David Cribb, better known perhaps as Colistia, who is an indie developer. He's made a, made a, a whole bunch of games, that some of which we, we're going to be talking about today. Um, I guess your your latest game that you made, David, was uh, Hand with Many Fingers. Uh, do you want to just think, just for anyone who ha like hasn't played that, because you like just describe like roughly what that is? Yeah, so it's a kind of 
first person conspiracy true crime thriller about this CIA linked bank that was operating in Sydney, Australia in the 1970s. Um, and so you play as a investigator, researcher, kind of delving through some archives, following different clues and names and assembling this vast conspiracy on a big, lovely corkboard. Yeah. So that, so yeah, like that, this is a, this is a real thing that happened, right? Did you, yeah. did, did you, did, did you, uh, I assume, cause like, obviously if you want to like do something about dodgy things the CIA did, you've got lots of choices. Um, mm-hmm. I, I assume, I assume you kind of, I assume you kind of picked up on that one being, uh, being from Australia and like this obviously being a Australian based, um, conspiracy thing. Yeah, it was it was a bit uh, of it. Yeah, just being being local. I, I think the way I found out about it was I was just um, browsing Wikipedia for like uh, famous Sydney individuals and that kind of thing, and came across this figure who apparently still has like a little statue to them, uh, kind of on Sydney Harbour, um, oh, and really? was part of this <laughs> CIA affiliated enterprise. Um, but I think it was it was more like. I wanted to make a game about some kind of like, yeah, CIA covert action, that kind of thing. Um, but also felt that like, I, I probably don't have the knowledge to do something that's like more well-trodden, something like uh, Iran-Contra yeah. or um, any any number of other scandals. Um, and this one, this one also just kind of shocked me that I had never heard of it before. Cause like mm. I'd, like to think of myself as relatively like well-read on these kinds of yeah covert actions that kind of thing um but yeah had had never heard of this before I I ended up speaking with some people who were kind of in the 1970s business scene in Sydney um and Um, they kind of vaguely remembered the scandal but kind of remembered it as like a banking scandal more than a um like national security related scandal um so like even in Australia it's just completely completely dropped off the radar um so i thought that'd be a nice it would would probably be novel to most people who are playing it um yeah which i think is a is a good way to try and approach these kind of stories oh yeah for sure yeah i'd never heard i wasn't aware of this at all before i played it and yeah we, we won't talk about the details of it because obviously if anyone wants to play the game we'll effectively ruin it for them <laughs> if we if we go through all the details now but um yeah so uh so you've mentioned right this this court board and obviously um video game objects is a is a thing I'm interested in here. So I, I wanna ask you about that. So yeah, like we said, this is kind of like the the yeah, just to be clear for anyone who's talking, we're we're talking about what you might imagine from um a detective film or like a conspiracy thriller where you have something where somebody pins up loads of newspaper clippings and photos and connects it all up with red string. Uh, that's exactly what it is, and that's kind of like your 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 central point. So you you um like David said, you go down into these archives, you bring up boxes, and you delve through what's in there, and then you pin up what you find on this corkboard, and you can connect it together. So yeah, the first thing I wanted to know is like, um, did you come to this um, 
object as like a device for doing things before you had the idea for the game or did you have the idea for the game and then you had to try and find something to like make this like conspiracy thing work like which way around did that go uh it was it was sort of a bit of both like i i wanted to make a game about conspiracies um or sort of in that kind of conspiracy thriller vein and so with that in mind like yeah i think the very first thing i prototyped was this this corkboard um but that was like that was like quite a long while before i settled on the the nugan hand scandal which is what the what the final game is about um it was well before i'd settled on that as the main main topic um was well before i'd sort of figured out what the pacing would be or anything like that um i yeah, I, I really just thought if I'm making a conspiracy thriller, there absolutely needs to be a, a conspiracy board. Um, and so, yeah, get it, get that down as early as possible. Um, so I've got as much time as possible to kind of refine it and work it into the narrative. What what was what was like appealing to you about that as like an object, like to to kind of feature in the game for people to play with? I guess it seemed. Well, part part of it is that like I I personally love uh love games that have a really kind of tactile investigation or not even investigation but just like tactile kind of bureaucratic objects I I absolutely love like any game that has uh yeah drawers you can open and search through the files or um like dusty lights that you can switch on and off or anything like that um I'm a huge fan of those kind of like tactile interactions um and so I thought uh a conspiracy board is a like good good avenue for that um and I also thought uh like a a lot of these kinds of investigative games um like an issue that you just have to address at some point is like how you're going to convey information that people have already discovered um like uh i in something like uh the outer wilds um say uh that game has the sort of like uh very complex map of like bits of info connected to this planet connected to this other clue you find um uh like return of the obra din has other ways of presenting that information as you discover it um, so I, I guess, like, from the start, I kind of knew that there needed to be a way for the player to relatively quickly, like, see the scope of the the whole story um, and possibly spot, like, oh, this is an area I can investigate more, this is an area I haven't looked into too much. Um, and, yeah, the, the corkboard seemed like a really natural genre-focused way of, um, like, presenting that information very, like, transparently. Um, while also like letting the player have fun with how they actually like want to arrange this information. Oh yeah, yeah, it fits. I mean, it obviously like fits perfectly with like the the genre, like you said, the conspiracy thing, and like the whole. It's like, I guess it couldn't be better as like a literal uh, representation of what you're doing in terms of like you're supposed to be making connections between information, and you literally mm-hmm. like drag the thread from one thing to another so like it's nice that it kind of fits in with that um mm. 
Yeah, I'm really with you with the tactile stuff as well. I also really like tactile stuff in games. It's also, I, I, there's something about, um, you know, like games that have computers in them where you can actually type, which I don't know what, it's like it removes a level of abstraction, you know? You, you, know, uh, you know what I mean? And there was, um, what's the game? I've forgotten what it's called. The, it was like a, the Red Strings Club. It had it had a bit where you're on a telephone, and you can use your number pad on your keyboard to type the telephone. It, and I know that's such a small thing, but it, like, do you know what I mean? It feels like yeah, like it removes the level of abstraction. You feel like you're actually like interacting with something, doing something. I love that. Yeah, stuff. absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like that's that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I've been interested in that from very early in the the games I've made. Um I mean like the the game I made with uh Eli Cawley, um the interlude, uh where it's essentially just like you're sitting in a car uh waiting for something to happen. Potentially you've been involved in a, a heist or a drug deal or something. Uh it, mm. it's all very vague thrillery stuff. But uh pretty much all of that game is just like you can fiddle with everything in the car. Um, like you can turn the lights on and off and you can swivel the mirror around uh, and you've got this kind of brick, old brick Nokia phone that you can look around through and play snake on and change the ringtone and that kind of thing. Um, I, I just feel like those kinds of like incidental interactions in particular, like the, the stuff that doesn't have any like gameplay purpose, um, just... Yeah, may, it makes these spaces feel so much more more real and more alive. Yeah. So with, with the like tactility thing, like, did you? Uh, I mean, was there much work to do in terms of making it like feel appealing to use? In terms of like, I don't know, just how it. It's the type of things we don't think about, but like how it feels to like put something in the board, like to pin mm. something on, or like how it feels to like. Uh, draw the string across and stuff like does mm. did that take much work or, or, or much thought yeah yeah that like uh well yeah part, part of the reason I did this I like set up the board so early in the game was because I knew that I wanted to spend heaps of time like working on those kinds of little details um like I mean I mean like sound design is a huge part of it um I went through so many different variations of the like pin going into the corkboard sound uh to find one that was kind of nice and nice and tacky um uh and yes like so many other elements as well like um it wasn't until pretty late in the development that I added like a little animation of the pin going into the bit of information as you pin it to the board um which just made yeah Again, it's the kind of thing you you wouldn't notice, but uh, you absolutely notice if it's not there. Um, like, just made it feel so much more uh, so much more tactile. Um, and yeah, the the string as well. I think um, went through like a, a whole bunch of iterations, mostly with like the visual design. Um, I, like most of my games tend to be fairly kind of minimalistic. Um, lots of flat colors on surfaces and that kind of thing. Um, but I found that the the string, because it's something you're like examining so closely and it's such a like key part of the experience. Um, I think that's probably like the highest resolution texture I've ever used in a game <laughs> is the the string <laughs> on the corkboard. 
Yeah, I wonder. I wanted to ask about. Did you? Because you've there's actually if there's actually effectively two boards that you can use. Mm. So there's like mm. a blank board and there's like one with a map. Did you always have both of them, or did you? Yes, the first thing I'm interested in is did did you always have both of them, or did you at some point like think, oh, I need a better way for people to, yeah, to to, to kind of visualize information. And the, the second thing I want to know is, um, do people? in your experience do people tend to use them in the same way because personally i i basically i barely used the map one i, I think I, I all i did was put i put like um one like i put pers- a person's the, the kind of key people i put their name like where the location is just so i had a, a reference for where everybody was but everything else i did on one board so yeah those mm. are Mm. Um, well, yeah, yeah, the map was, uh, like, maybe not a late addition, but, it, like, it definitely wasn't there at the start. Like, at the start, it was just the the blank corkboard, because uh, I, I really like the idea of, like, the blank canvas that you kind of see build up into this nest of connections over the, the course of the game. Um, but, yeah, I, I added the map. I think um, one of the big uh, factors in adding that was... Um, uh, like for for people who haven't played the game, uh, you you kind of you need to go and find like index cards that direct you to archive archive boxes in the basement. Um, and I went through a whole bunch of different uh different methods for like sorting those index cards. Um, like I think the earliest version was just like it's an enormous list of names. Um, that you just need to pull out these like key key names from um and what i ended up with in the game was you need like a location a year and a name um to to try and track down the final card um and so i think it was particularly when i like started dividing that up geographically um i realized like yeah i i absolutely need a map in this um partly because like i i'm dealing with like some obscure geopolitics here i probably can't expect everyone to be able to like locate these places on a locate all of these places on a map um and so like just as a like uh may make it slightly more straightforward for players um i think also like a couple of key bits of information uh ended up in places that like could be described as east asia could be described as southeast asia um uh and so like the the map also served as a way of like making it clear that if we're talking about yeah. this location it's going to be in the east asia section because that there's a little east asia label next to it um so yeah it kind of served those purposes and and also i think um once i'd settled on the Nugenhand scandal as the main kind of uh focus of the game um i realized it i i would need this kind of like uh, more international scale um, for the uh, for the corkboard as well, um, because it is a like kind of globe trotting scandal that goes from Sydney to Angola to Bangkok to all 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 over the world. Um, yeah, and and then on on your second question of like how people use the use the boards, um, 
yeah, like so many different approaches. And that has been like one of my favorite parts of the like aftermath of the release of this game is just like people sending me screenshots of how they've laid out the board or um, sending me messages about that. Um, I think like quite a lot of people um, do like sort the newspaper clippings around the location that it specifically refers to or the location where uh, like the box is, which the box is categorized under. Um, I think a uh, fair few people um, would sort of have set up all of the key figures on the uh, the blank cork board kind of along the top uh, and then list all of the relevant information about them underneath, kind of uh, oh, arranging okay. them like a vertical right. grid. Yeah. Um, I mean, like my my personal way of playing through was always just like, put the first thing you find right in the center, put the next thing like slightly off and just kind of like build mm. out the concentric circles of connections and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, definitely like a whole, whole bunch of different ways of approaching it. Um, and I like that. I think that also kind of affected some elements of like how the narrative was laid out and that kind of thing. Um, because the, there would be like clues that would be, seem incredibly obvious to me uh, because I've been laying these things out in kind of these concentric circles, but then do a play test and see someone lay it out like, yeah, in a, in a vertical grid or something. Um, and just like these two key pieces of information are kind of naturally for them lying on opposite ends of the board. Um, so I had to go through some revisions of the, the narrative um, to try and uh, allow as many many options as possible for for how people um, lay out the information, um, okay. and yeah, I, mine... I guess like oh sorry you go. No, I was just going to say mine's a mine's a complete mess. Um, I, I don't have a system. <laughs> I just like put something in a random place on the board and then like yeah somehow managed to figure it all out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm consistently amazed by like how neat some people's uh cork boards were. And like people sending photos of like the the written notes they'd taken as well. It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I, I had, I, how it can be that neat. I was sometimes like, oh I can't read this anymore because I've made it such a mess <laughs> that the string crosses over like the bits of paper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah. I think that's part of the experience. It's, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, getting getting so deep in that I uh, need to sort of take a step back and reassess. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, like, one other fun thing with the um, the map corkboard, which I didn't realise until very late on, uh, like, because technically it sort of, like, it operates with exactly the same system as the, the other blank corkboard, um, which meant that until... <laughs> like pretty close to release um you could actually tie strings from one board to the other um you could end up with this kind of mess of three-dimensional strings um filling the room um which was kind of cool but uh (laughs) bit uh bit genre breaking i thought yeah 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 I guess that's one of those things you just don't think about because you you're like this is one board so you don't try and do that until somebody (laughs) (laughs) yeah um did, did you have like a, a particular kind of uh i guess feeling or experience that you wanted the court board to generate like planned or like that it happened afterwards because so i'm thinking of things like so we we're, we keep talking about like conspiracy 
and there's obviously um heavy heavily like within that genre is the feeling of paranoia which like you do other work in the game to try and generate i think mm. uh, it would be mm. fair to say but like, I, I so yeah no i'm just curious like what's the kind of feelings you want people to get from the court board so i, I presume stuff like paranoia do you want people to kind of feel overwhelmed with the information sometimes because to me it um actually the game it reminded me of um perhaps not in an obvious way is is return of the Oberdin, which you already mentioned not because of like uh, they're completely different in tone they're completely different in terms of how they look and like what you're doing the system's not even really the same but but what i mean is um that game often gave me a feeling of like I felt like I was on the verge of having too much information that I hadn't adequately comprehended or sorted and sometimes it felt like too much and then sometimes and then now and again and you felt like I'm lost here I, I I'm not going to be able to deal with this and then suddenly things fall into place and I had that same feeling in this game sometimes where I was like I don't know like I could connect this bit of clipping to like this, 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 and this. Like, but if I do that with every bit of information, that's just gonna not make any sense. And I don't know. Like, I'm confused about what I should be looking for next. Should I focus on this? Should I do this? And then, and and it's yeah, had that similar feeling. And then, same thing. Like, it started to fall into place. So, mm. yeah, that's a lot. Of, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. But but. Well, yeah, again. yeah. I think, um, yeah, I I definitely like was interested in that kind of feeling of uh like yeah staring at this like massive connections and then seeing something like something would suddenly like appear to you or uh take on a new context or something and uh like uh instantly be like a new lead you could follow um and yeah I I guess like to that end like there are like quite a lot of there are quite a lot of documents in that game, um, in the game that are kind of red herrings, maybe not red herring, red herrings might be too much, uh, saying too much, but, um, at the most are like providing flavor and like, don't really point you in any like productive directions. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really necessary because kind of from a, from a pacing perspective, if it was just like, you find this document that leads you to this document that leads you to this document that leads you to the conclusion of the conspiracy. Um, like that's, that's not a very satisfying uh, feeling. Um, I wanted that uh, kind of feeling of um, like, I, I guess as well, like information that's kind of been presented from the very start of the game, taking on new context um, as you find like pieces of new pieces of information um and potentially pointing to new leads and that kind of thing um yeah and uh, in in terms of what you were saying before about um uh like a getting a feeling of paranoia um this is probably going into spoiler territory so uh warning to anyone who who hasn't played the game yet um but the game does does end with um so, like, you you find another area of the archives um, and go down there, find a find a document, and as you come back up, you find that a car has crashed into the office um, in under mysterious circumstances. Um, that like went through 
a, a kind of that that like ending event went through a bunch of iterations, most of which involved the the corkboard um, in the in the earlier forms. Um, so like I tried. I liked the idea of you coming back and finding that like a couple of bits of information had been rearranged um, as though someone had been in there, like something subtle enough that it might not be immediately, immediately obvious. Um, I I also tried uh, like you come back up to the office at the end and just like the office is unchanged, but all of the information is gone from the, from the cork boards. Um, uh, But I, I found that, like by the end of the game, like people were too attached to their corkboard um, and to like how they'd laid out all of this information and that kind of thing. Um, it was like a bit too much of a gut punch to uh, come up and see that like all of that work has been erased. Um, right. uh, it was more frustrating than um, than chilling, which I guess was the what right. I was going for. Um, so yeah, in in the end, I decided to kind of like just respect what the player is doing on the corkboard. Like you're, you're putting so much attention and love into how you're arranging all this information. Um, It's kind of not, uh, it it felt kind of, I guess like dishonest on my part to then uh, mess around with that. Um, And so I just amplified everything else around the corkboard, but left the corkboard relatively um, untouched. Oh yeah. Did you? Uh, uh, did, did you? Um, I feel like you. I mean, was stuff like because it, it it reminds in terms of like the environment that you're in and like it feels like you've constructed that to an extent with the idea of generating paranoia in mind because like stuff just things like putting the archive room in a basement. Like that you have to walk down and it's very reminiscent of, I don't know if you've been in a, well, to me anyway, like if you've been in a public space that's normally full, that's like empty. I don't know if you've been in a library late at night or something um, and nobody else is there. Uh, That kind of feeling of like unease about being in a place and yeah. I didn't like it when you like like the, when I went into the basement and like the first time like you hear like a, a noise or something and, like, oh, yes, that yeah. was horrible. I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> but like that's the type of thing that happens in those places because you don't know if somebody else is there and like yeah, it's uh, yeah, it feels like you had some fun with that anyway. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I mean, like yeah, I I have those experiences as well of just like um, abandoned university libraries late at night yeah. where it's like. Uh, suddenly the like automatic lights turn on but there's no one around (laughs) and uh, those kinds of uh, creepy experiences Um, uh, and yeah in terms of like the the layout of the space um, yeah I I definitely I I really liked the idea of there being a sort of a a different atmosphere in like the office uh, where you've got like you can have like a radio playing and so it may may be slightly less less creepy um versus kind of the atrium where all of the index cards are which is like relatively open and uh there's there's like um lights uh visible light uh coming from the ceiling um versus then the the basement archive where you've just got this kind of like hum of 
air conditioning or fluorescent lights or something. Um, very like claustrophobic compared with the rest of the game. Um, like I, I think I went through quite a few different iterations to figure out exactly how close I could manage to have the have the like stacks together and still make the game um, like navigable. Um, and yeah, yeah, as well. Like uh, I, I think I. Uh, that's probably one of the things I'm proudest of with this game is like all of those like little moments of like the kind of paranoia inducing moments. Um, like, yeah, yeah I, I guess this is maybe lightly yeah, so, getting into spoiler territory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, yeah. Let's not mention some of them. Cause, cause I, I'm hoping mm. some people will play the game after this. And there are some, yeah, that are kind of fun, but yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> spoil it for people, but yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. So what, why did you make it? like so you make it a, a really like so it is this process where like i said you you have to like you you have the information that you start off with or whatever you have to go you have to go into this room and open the drawers and look for the name you, you have to walk down to the basement you have to search the shelves you have to pick up the box take the box upstairs like you could if you wanted to make a system that's far like more automated but you you made you deliberately made it so you have to do this process so like why mm. did you why did you decide to do that well yeah a part of that was um i feel like having those kinds of like um kind of repetitive actions you need to do in a space like um make the space feel a whole lot more believable um like if you were just yeah, like you you find something on the corkboard and then you walk outside and you get the next bit of information and you come back in. Um, you'd have like much less of a like coherent sense of how the archive is laid out and that kind of thing. Um, I, I feel like you you go through the motions of this kind of core loop so many times in the game that by the end you do kind of have a good intuitive sense of um, of of the geometry of the level and that kind of thing. Um, uh, the other part of that was I really felt like the game needed it, it needed like negative space if that makes sense um like it, it needed times when you were just like walking along between locations or kind of um engaging in different different things like uh looking at the little signs on the uh the archive stacks and that kind of thing um I, I feel like if the game was just the corkboard and just like looking through all of these newspaper clippings and reports and that kind of thing, um, it would be extremely draining <laughs> or at least like significantly more draining um, just because of the like mental energy required to um, required to kind of process all of that. Um, and so in particular, like having the possibility, requiring that at the very least like you're going to be walking from the basement back up into the office, kind of mulling over all of these details you found or mulling over what might be in these, these books. Um, uh, yeah. I, I feel like it gives players the chance to kind of like switch off, um, switch off from like just analyzing the the nature of the conspiracy, um, which also like, <laughs> that's like the ideal time for me to, throw other things at at you and try and uh build that sense of paranoia oh yeah that makes catch sense. you in yeah. those moments of calm 
Yeah, it yeah, it's it's uh, it's a, it's a small enough space as well that it's not like annoying. Like it's not like oh, I have to like, go all the way back here. And it it's um, I think it does it does make you feel like you're doing the research as well. Like it's uh, and it's very relatable. Like I like I guess most people have been to a library or something and looked up like something like well, where is this thing like it's a relatable mm. process and, and it makes you feel like you're doing the work of like uncovering mm. the conspiracy like digging through the archives and stuff so um mm. yeah i think it's cool that it's in there Do, I, um, I, I, oh, I, I was just gonna say on that like yeah i actually like went through a couple of iterations of kind of like the the kind of complexity with how uh, the information is sorted in the in the archives as well. Like, I think at one point I was considering just like or, or trying to work out whether I could like properly recreate like how the national archives in the US stores the information or uh, kind of that level of immersion in mm. uh, trying to like um, navigate the archives. Um, but. Yeah, I, I found that like that that level of complexity was kind of unnecessary, um, and yeah, went against that kind of pacing element of like, uh, yeah, it, it's like you you need to think about how the space is laid out, and you need to be like looking for these signs and that kind of thing. Um, but it's a it's a kind of a different kind of engagement and different level of engagement from reading these reports and looking through these newspaper clippings um kind of gives a bit of respite from that so uh something i'm also interested in is you've deliberately made the cork board not adequate in terms of being your sole means of uh kind of collecting information so that you you i think there's a bit of text where you recommend that people take notes like you you make it a thing like the game doesn't automatically save what you got to look for or something like you have to write down like the number of the archive and, and stuff and i guess that kind of encourages the possibility of taking notes on stuff that you might be thinking about as as well so yeah i'm just like yeah why do you want why do you want people to physically write stuff down um we are like Partly it was uh, sort of like like game design consideration mixed with practical consideration of like um, yeah in in these kinds of investigative investigative games like the core thing you need to figure out as as a designer is like how you are presenting this information um, because you want to present it in ways that uh, point towards new paths of investigation without like holding the player's hand for what they what they should be doing next. And I felt like, um, yeah, just like providing a list of the archive boxes that uh, that you need to get to, or or anything like that, um, really just felt far too kind of far far too linear. Um, and I, I mean, like, kind of under the hood, the game is very linear, <laughs> um, and is is not really as sprawling as it seems, or anything like that. Um, but I think a big part of like giving kind of the feeling of investigation and the kind of like a bit of like illusion of of investigation um, was like not providing those kinds of um, 
uh, like that kind of assistance that you you might get in another game, like not having a UI prompt um, to to the next box you should find, or that kind of thing. Um, but I think yeah, the the other element was that uh, I I feel like producing those kinds of notes um, is also a, a like another great way of um, kind of getting the player to think about these puzzles in, in different ways and think about these connections in different ways. Um, uh, because yeah, as you say, you might like write something down and then like draw a little line connecting it to something else on your page and then come back and not fully understand why you drew that line or kind of introduces all of these like little, uh, little, little challenges that come with kind of just like, analog research as opposed to just like uh typing in search terms or, or that kind of thing um and yeah yeah I, I think that was that was probably the main considerations with with that approach yeah i think it's right it goes back to that thing we said about like uh uh kind of cutting out abstraction as well because it, again it feels like that thing like that's what you would do if you were in a library doing you would look up something on the computer or whatever and then you would write down on a post-it or something like oh this is where it is like or this is the thing and then you would go and like so yeah it it, it it's kind of nice that it, again it feels like that process of like what you would do if you're actually doing research on something so mm. i think that's and, i mean well. like it's it's very like free form as well. Like I think uh, to try and like recreate that level of, of like, um, yeah, kind of free form note taking within the UI of the game or something um, that would just be like a huge logistical undertaking. Like I could maybe have like, uh, yeah, some little text boxes where you can type in uh, bits of information mm. you find, but that kind of didn't feel adequate for this experience of like drawing connections and, and that sort of thing. Um, yes. Yeah, so I think like the, the kind of free form nature as well of just like having a blank page and uh, being able to kind of like format those notes as you, as you would like um, kind of helps people approach it. I, I guess like helps people approach the mystery, like as a mystery rather than as a like game puzzle yeah yeah well unless there's anything you think we've missed on the court board then i'll i'll uh ask you about some of your other games uh do you uh, think there's anything we've uh well no i i guess like the what well, kind of mentioned this before but the yeah the the i think the other function that the court board serves really well is that kind of like sense of progression through the narrative like being able to very clearly see that, um, hey, I'm <laughs> approaching completely filling up this corkboard. Mm. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting towards the the end of this narrative or, or that kind of thing. Um, it's just kind of very clear visual feedback of like progress through the narrative, um, which like I also do through like um, having the boxes that you've opened uh, stay in the office and kind of like, get strewn around beneath the cork board and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I felt like it was, it was very important to have that sense that you're like, you are working towards some conclusion here. You're not just kind of like picking out random bits of information and mm. drawing connections. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, how long have you been making games for? Like, when did you? Uh, I think, um, I think the first games I released were in around like 2015 or so. Um, I I had been like playing around with like Game Maker and those kind of tools for uh-huh. long time before that. Um, but uh, all of those builds are thankfully lost into the ether because they're probably all all complete garbage. Okay. Yeah. Are you? Be- do you mostly use like Unity or something now? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, mostly okay. mostly Unity now. I think I maybe my first two or three publicly released things were with Game Maker. Um, okay. But. Yeah, I think that was around the time they started introducing some new like license restrictions or something like that. And um that okay. combined with the kind of general limitations of the of the engine um kind of yeah. forced me over to forced me over to Unity. Yeah. So in terms of so for people who don't know, you you kind of I think you explicitly I can't remember the exact phrasing, but you, you say that you kind of make like leftist games or like you make mm. games like about politics about like capitalism so like mm. yeah that seems like that's uh, very important in terms of like how you yeah what you want to do with games i guess yeah um like it it's sort of it's become important it kind of started accidentally in a in a way um like in the sense that around the same time that i was like, yeah, starting playing around with, like, publicly releasing games, um, that was around the time that I, like, started reading Marx and, okay. um, uh, yeah, like, other other leftist thinkers. Um, and so it was, like, in a sense kind of incidental that I was, like, spending all my time reading about leftist politics, and so that was kind of the the natural subject matter for me then to be putting into this hobby of game design. Um, but... Yeah, I, I mean, since then, it's definitely um, become like a, a much more like core part of um, what I try to do with games. Um, and yeah, I, I think I have a much much better sense of like the the possibilities and limitations of that kind of like um, political propaganda via game. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess to extent, it's just one of those things. If you're making games about something if you're kind of invested in like politics and like you're interested in capitalism and stuff, then you just naturally gonna like, that's going to be in your games. If that's, uh, yeah. Something you're yeah. Yeah. About. Um, well, like, uh, one of my early games, um, called crisis theory, um, it's kind of like a little series of like little kind of flow charts about like the accumulation of capital and the different crises that that can lead to that sort of thing. Um, uh, like that was really me just trying to kind of get my head around how these different processes work and kind of like map them out for myself, um, more as a kind of educational exercise for myself, um, which just ended up being, ended up kind of working as a working as a game as well um yeah yeah what, one of your games actually that i haven't played but i just wondered if it was kind of um uh in any way like uh almost in some way like a way of 
testing or not 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 way of testing but i wondered if, if it was kind of a precursor to some of the stuff you did with a hand of many fingers because uh the summerton man like i haven't played it but it was is that like a kind of conspiracy thing as well or something like that yeah i just wondered if that gave you that was kind of gave you some experience for what you ended up doing mm. um yeah so so that game uh it's I, like there are there are like quite a lot of similarities between it and uh, hand with many fingers in a way like it's about this unsolved murder in Adelaide in South Australia, um, sort of shortly after World War II, um, which it, it does have some conspiracy angle or some conspiracy links and that kind of thing. Uh, but I didn't right. really get to those in, uh, in that story. It's more of a kind of more of a like traditional true crime type story. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think the, one of the, uh, one of the things I was like experimenting with in that game was like, uh, how can you make it feel satisfying to um, look into a mystery that doesn't have a clear resolution? <laughs> like, oh, right, um, yeah, yeah. we still we we maybe know who the who the Summerton man was now, um, but we're still not really much closer to discovering like why he died or even how he died or. There's so many other random unsolved details with that case. Um, so, yeah, that that game was really about... It, it's like a kind of... It's kind of a text adventure laid out over a kind of, like, 2D map type thing. Um, so you can, like, click on elements. Um, like, uh, there might be a sentence... I think the opening sentence is something like, a body was found on Summerton Beach at this time. Um, and you can click on like body or Summerton Ma- or Summerton Beach or the time, um, and like that'll kind of pan the camera over to a new bit of info regarding like what was found on the body or um, where Summerton Beach is in context of that. Um, so it has like similar kind of similar kind of elements of uh, like following these different strands of an investigation. Um, and also that kind of same thing of um, following different strands that like don't necessarily lead you to conclusive answers or convincing answers um, and just kind of circle back around to uh, leave you with a kind of confusing mess. <laughs> I think, and I, I, I imagine, yeah, so that sounds like it's almost like a very similar thing, but I think like having... Uh, well, I'm going back to the court board again. But like having an object mm. where you can actually like manifest that stuff physically mm. makes mm. it more satisfying. Probably, I, don't, yeah, I haven't played the game, but um... yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think that like uh, having that as the like kind of um, ha- having that level of like kind of physical realism um, and kind of making it more about the the process of research and the process of investigation, yeah, yeah. rather than just being about like the content of this weird true crime mystery. Um, I I feel like, yeah, those are, that's probably why hand with many fingers um, works a bit better. Um, And and, I mean, like opens the, opens the avenues for like so much of this, like, yeah, inducing paranoia and all all Mm. these kinds of other considerations, which you don't get if, if you are just focusing on like the content of the, the mystery itself. Yeah. 
Let's uh, let's talk a bit about uh, a bewitching revolution because uh, I really like that game. Um, oh, thank you. So for so for, again for people who haven't played it, you play as a communist witch, I believe is this out, and you are in this kind of uh, in a city, which I guess you could describe as like a mini open world, uh, maybe, um, and it's. Uh, not particularly nice place when you start out in terms of the the situation of people that live there and you go around and you you gradually like change things to to make things better so i i think one of the first things is is like there's some fast food workers that uh they go on, you can get to go on strike or something i can't, I can't remember exactly it's been a while and and you you're kind of going around gradually like changing things around and then you you you, you kind of um yeah, it builds up, I guess, to like a, a revolution kind of taking place. Um, so yeah, uh, wh- how did you? Wh- how did that game kind of come about? It feels again. It feels like a, you. I may be wrong. But it feels like a kind of development of what you did with another of your games, which I think is called Post Capitalism, mm-hmm. which has um, just in the sense of that game had you. So that for, again, for people who don't know, it's like a little diorama, right? Mm-hmm. And again, you can like. It's like a, 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 yeah, like a capitalist system, and you can kind of like play with things to change them. So yeah, it, it feels like it's a little bit of a development of that, but I don't know. Maybe that wasn't in your mm. mind. No, I, I think like they're definitely sort of in the in the same vein in that sense of like I was really interested in like how kind of how do you show transformations in a political economic system um, mm. without falling into some of the pitfalls that games often do when they uh, are dealing with these kinds of kinds of issues because I feel like the like one approach is kind of like the the strategy game level kind of god's eye point of view um where it kind of like removes any sense of agency from political change and suggests that it's or kind of portrays it just as like historical trends that are happening or like Mm. a, a decision that's being made at some like by some like historical spirit or or, or something maybe um mm. maybe a bit hegelian um but uh and, and then like the the other problem is the kind of like first person hero narrative of a revolution um right. which you still see all the time in games like looks like that's what the next far cry is going to be about again um of just like uh presenting presenting this kind of political economic upheaval as something that is like mostly the work of these kind of single heroic figures um so i think yeah both post-capitalism and perhaps more so uh witching revolution were trying to like find a way around that of like showing uh significant like yeah political economic change um in a way that doesn't doesn't put all of the agency on the player as like a, as an individual, um, but also kind of doesn't just strip away agency entirely um, by kind yeah. of presenting it as like a, just a historical phenomenon. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's um, again, I've got a terrible memory, so it's hard for me to remember details, but I remember feeling like, like, cause you, you do do things, I guess, that feels like having an impact, but I remember feeling like, Oh, like, people are there's people who are like independently like doing stuff like um mm. 
like it doesn't feel like I had an effect on that. It feels like they're doing that. It, it, it's yeah, something I really like about that game. It feels like it, it really um, generates a sense of like something being in motion that like mm. you've you've had a part in, but also feels like you, it's bigger than you. Like it's like something mm. that's independent of you. Like it, it's happening outside of what you're doing, which I think. Mm. Yeah, as you say, I think is really rare in terms of uh, yeah, because because I say the more more often than not in a game, even in movies as well. Actually, it's like going to be the case that like it's like the hero basically did everything. <laughs> um, mm. So yeah, mm. that's yeah. Also, um, so one of the th- sorry, you were going to say something before. Oh uh, yeah, well I, I was just going to say like um, I, I I think like part of the reason that games don't do that is because like it is very. Uh, it, it's very satisfying to have like a clear, clear kind of feedback as a player of like what your actions are doing on the world, um, mm. and quite often that is not the case in Bewitching Revolution. I think like um, you'll like do one of these tarot readings and maybe significantly later on notice, oh, this thing has changed in the world, um, and it can be relatively unclear uh, how your your actions as a player are actually like affecting the world um mm. which yeah i think like has its has its pitfalls because it can make the game just feel kind of uh confusing and uh yeah unclear like how how the actions you are taking are affecting the world um but i think it's also it it gets around that issue of um the the idea that like one individual could possibly uh just like lead this revolution or that kind of thinking yeah so we yeah with the tarot cards so yeah so we're in this game you've got kind of i guess two primary ways of interacting with stuff like you can fire out like a little magic i don't know ball thing which like can change some little things like uh i think there's some like war propaganda stuff or something mm. like posters which you can then change them to I can't remember, but something. Uh, solar panels, I think. <laughs> yeah, solar panels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. But then you could also go around and you do tarot readings for people, which mm. is kind of, yeah, like an unusual way to, like, to, yeah. So you go up and talk to someone who, who's like having some, like you say, you've got these fast food workers who have been exploited or, um, yeah, whatever else is going on. You go and speak to someone, you read, you read them the tarot. Which basically ends up you're kind of they're basically readings that kind of explain like how capitalism works or like various aspects of it, um, and then after you've kind of given them those readings, they go they go off and do their thing, and and like you said, like things change. So why why did you have like tarot? Why did you have tarot cards as this way of like, I guess, explaining capitalism? <laughs> um. Well, yeah, I, th- I think the big consideration was, um, like, I, I didn't want it just to be that, like, the player comes in and explains to these people how capitalism works and, like, gives a sort of... Um, I, I didn't want that kind of, uh, I guess, more like... Like, t- like, tells them what to do or something, because it yeah, doesn't feel yeah. like you're telling them what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want it to be, like, um, the player is, like, prescribing what the like correct political action is in this context or anything. Um, and I like, I think tarot cards worked well for that um, because it let me sort of frame 
frame these things that are kind of just like political polemics coming from me, but it lets me frame them more as like uh, explaining different possible futures. Like um, if you take this path, then this will happen. If you unionize, then this could happen. Um, It adds that kind of level of level of distance to the player where it's more like they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of explaining possibilities and possible futures rather than just like berating people about, about politics. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, I'm remembering it better now. <laughs> now you've explained it. So yeah. So it's not just like, yeah, it's, it's an element of like, this is, this is like how the system works, but like, yeah, it's also introducing a sense of possibility, which yeah, I don't know. It sounds like a fine line, but it really doesn't feel like you're going up to people and telling them like, oh, you are, this is the situation you are in and this is what it should be like. So you need to do this or like, you should be doing this. It does really feel like you're just like, oh, like uh, here's how you could understand like a particular situation. Like, oh, there maybe things could be like this or maybe things could be like this. And then you like go away. And then that it feels like that person uh makes a I obviously they don't because they're computer characters that you've coded <laughs> to do things but it feels like that person like makes a choice like based on that information and goes away mm. and does their own thing which mm. um yeah I, I guess like you said it's it's easier to like have a feedback thing as a player where you do something and you see the action clearly but I f- find something really satisfying about that about a mm. sense a feeling of because like it's very um simple graphics compared to like Mm. yeah i don't know like you mentioned far cry like if far cry Mm. 5 or something and it's and it's um yeah quite a very small place comparatively Mm. but that makes it that makes it feel more more real to me like a feeling that these characters um have some kind of agency and they're doing something that's like that, that they wanted to do that I might not be like I didn't know what they're going to do but, mm, but they're going to yeah. go do something and that's what they what they decided to do well yeah I, I think like a, a big part of that was like having the sort of very different levels of abstraction um between like the the tarot readings and like what you see play out in the in the game like like you said with the fast food workers um like I think the the reading for that talks about like um, if the workers are united, then things will be good or yeah. <laughs> in more poetic language than that, yeah, uh, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, it's, it's on that level of generality as opposed to like, um, you should go and talk to your coworkers and set up a picket out the front of this place. Um, like it, it's very far from that level of like practical political strategy, um, which I think, yeah, it helps make it seem as though, like, this is just kind of providing a kind of intellectual framework for thinking through these problems. Um, actually responding to them will be up to the the people who are receiving the reading. Yeah. It's also, I think, uh, something that's really difficult to do is, is like, um, to kind of depict political change in motion. Like, it's really <laughs> hard to, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah it's much easier it's, it's easier to like i don't know at the if you're trying to do that i guess the easiest thing is to like 
do like a dystopia that's really bad and have like a bad guy that you mm. fight and beat and then that's the end and then you just assume things will be better afterwards like mm. not you mm. don't actually depict like like i think there are ideological reasons for that as well uh in terms of why most games don't depict like well okay this is bad so the, the obvious thing when you're thinking like okay this is bad okay so what should it look like what how how should the society function and yeah you you may there's there may be many games where you kind of go down to take 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 out whatever system there is but there aren't that many that show that in process and show like what yeah what should things look like how do we change Mm. things which again i think i do think it's like difficult to do like because Mm. um it's hard to like (laughs) yeah that's why we still have capitalism because it's hard to <laughs> yeah. like to come up with the solutions and and the kind of implement them. But yeah, I, I think there are probably ideological reasons as well. People aren't particularly interested mm. in showing that. So yeah, mm. I think the game um, does a nice job. Uh, thank you. Um, I, yeah, I, I think uh, I guess like, not to get too much into the weeds of random leftist political disagreements and so forth, but um, I feel like this game, it's probably closer to uh, like kind of libertarian socialist or maybe even anarchist analysis for mm-hmm. all of its, for all of its faults. Um, but like the, I think the advantage on that point in particular is like in a lot of these traditions, there's a real focus on like prefigurative politics of like, the way we organize to defeat capitalism prefigures how we organize life after capitalism. Um, And so, uh, which, yeah, I think like helps with helps helped in this game with like showing that level of political change um, because it's sort of like, uh, yeah, you address, you start addressing this or you start building community power by like building these community gardens or something, which are then further expanded once we get rid of restrictions on private property and that kind of thing. Um, I I think like that kind of framing provided a more natural way of like, uh, like kind of gesturing towards a future through the process of like, undoing the the world that these characters are living in at the moment yeah 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 it makes sense okay uh i guess one final question we've we've been we've been going a while now i don't want to keep you too much longer um are you are you working on anything at, at the moment and uh that you've yeah you're just working on some prototypes or have you you work on something uh, um yeah I'm, I'm working on working on a couple of things um uh <laughs> like yeah none of them are set in stone enough to um right. like so i'm saying like no one hold me to any of this because so, okay. it could yeah. easily all all change um but the the thing i'm focusing on right now which i'm pretty excited about um is essentially a game where you are trying to you play as probably a US secret agent of some kind um trying to orchestrate a coup in a global south country um, oh, okay. Uh, I haven't like settled yet exactly on the like what level of abstraction that will be at, or um, right. or or that kind of thing. Because I've been playing around with something closer to Hand with Many Fingers, of like a a one room political thriller. Um, right, right. maybe you're like in the U.S. embassy in this this country, uh, orchestrating a coup. Um, uh. 
across the space of like 48 hours or something or it might be more along the lines of like um uh you're like traveling through a through a city um going between different locations kind of okay. trying to get key players on side and manage relationships with kind of domestic allies um but yeah so the the form of it is still very much <laughs> in flux at the moment um but uh, I am, yeah, really interested in making a game kind of about the, I guess, n- not just about, like, how these kinds of coups operate or that kind of thing, but the really sort of, uh, I guess, again, like, the fairly kind of practical element of, like, um, how how these kinds of things work. Like, where are the levers of power that are deployed in mm. these kinds of contexts? Um uh like what does it mean to have control of like currency um within a within a particular country or to have uh influence in like um international financial institutions or that kind of thing um yeah i, I appreciate that's that's very vague but i'm i'm i am yeah interested in i guess like not just a kind of like yeah I guess more strategy game level kind of analysis of um, how how these kinds of coups operate and that kind of thing. More about the like on the ground practicalities of how these things work. Um, I've, I've been reading tons of like memoirs of disgruntled CIA agents and oh, <laughs> that okay. kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah, try just trying to get a get a vibe of like what what these kinds of operations feel like on the on the ground okay cool well yeah that sounds fun sounds promising uh, <laughs> it's a concept so yeah <laughs> we'll see if that comes to fruition or, or maybe something yes. else. yes uh, yeah yeah who, yeah who knows <laughs> yeah okay cool well um yeah uh yeah i would recommend people check out uh your games if they get i guess the easiest thing is i'll just put a link to your itch page in the description <laughs> of this <laughs> So uh, yeah, either Google Colestia or look at the description of this, and and there'll be a link. And yeah, they're all free, uh, apart from Hand with Many Fingers. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Like I say, I haven't played all, all of them, but I can I can vouch for a Bewitching Revolution. I can vouch for Hand with Many Fingers. They're they're good games. So yeah, try them out. Uh, is there anything else you want to point people to? Or? Uh, no, I think that's the, that's the main thing. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend people go too deep into the back catalogue of games either. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. I think, yeah, uh, like, yeah, Hand With Many Fingers, um, They Came From A Communist Planet, Bewitching Revolution, um, those are probably the three most, uh, coherent games <laughs> I've put out, but if you, uh, if you do want to see me experimenting with like, yeah, these kinds of questions of uh, how do you represent political change in a game? Um, how do you talk about capitalism without sounding too preachy? <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then yeah, there's, there's probably stuff of interest uh, further back than that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for coming to talk to me. It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. <laughs>